So I know it's a time of semester where it's busy and a little bit overwhelming. And our hope is that you would come here on Wednesday nights and find rest for your souls. And, and so listen to this invitation from Scripture, and then I'm going to pray over it. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Lord, thank you for this invitation to come to you and to come into your presence and find rest for our souls. And thank you that all of that hinges and, and is based upon who you are. That you are gentle and lowly and you're the one who gives us that rest. So, Father, we pray that you would give that to us tonight as we come to your word. Would you speak it over us? Would you speak it into our minds and our hearts? Give us what we need to hear. Change us in ways we need to be changed and maybe even ways we don't even know that we need to be changed. Lord, thank you, too, for the privilege of coming and worshiping, being in your presence. Thank you for the privilege of prayer and reading your word. God, I pray that we would not take these things for granted, but they are gifts from you. So Lord, we pray that you would come and meet with us now, change us by your word, and make us more like Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. Well, we're going to spend the next 25 or 30 minutes talking about the Bible, and our hope and our prayer in all of this is that you would know more of Christ and become more like him because of our time in the scriptures. And if you have questions, thoughts, feedback about any of this, come talk to me afterward or, or find one of our staff. We'd love to, to talk with you about what you're hearing. And, and it's okay to have questions and doubts. We, we like talking through those things. Well, the call came in the middle of the night and it was the kind of call you hope that you never get. I was a youth pastor at the time, and one of our youth had had a seizure in the middle of the night, causing his heart to stop. I got dressed as fast as I could. I raced over to the ER at the, the hospital here. And as I walked, you know, you go into the ER and you, you got the check-in counter, and then but they take you through these double doors to, to get to the rooms where they're seeing people. And as I walked through those double doors, I could hear the cries and the groans from all the way down the hall. As I walked into the room and I stood over that boy's lifeless body, there were no words, just cries and groans. It was a devastating reminder that our world is broken. It's terribly broken. The Bible says that all of creation is in bondage to corruption. That means there's going to be death and decay in, in all spheres of creation. 
And not only that, not only is creation in bondage to corruption, but all of creation groans as it waits to be set free, as it waits to be made new. You've heard this before, but things are not the way that they're supposed to be. And you know this. You see it every day. If you read any of the headlines this week, you also know this. I think the latest number I saw from Turkey and Syria is over 20,000 dead in that earthquake. I saw this figure just yesterday, Ukrainians and Russians killing each other at about 1,000 per day. Yet another mass shooting Seems like they're happening every week. And, and the list could go on. And you know what? The brokenness isn't just out there. It's also in here, isn't it? So many fears. What will happen with my future? Will my loved ones survive their diagnosis? Will I ever meet my special someone? Broken relationships. Will that friendship ever be restored? Why do I feel so alone? How do I heal from the abuse? And there's guilt and shame. Could God ever love me after all that I've done? Will I ever stop giving in to this sin? What if people actually knew the real me? Our world is broken and we are broken and things are not the way they're supposed to be. But, but listen, God has not left us. God has not left us to this bondage of corruption. He is with us and he is for us. And in the, in, in the middle of it all, he gives us peace. Peace is the, the third fruit of the Spirit. We're going through a series this semester on a little passage out of Galatians 5 that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, those qualities that God develops in all who know Jesus. And two weeks ago, we started with love. And then last week, we're, y'all know what I mean, even though we had Tim last time. Uh, last time I was up, we had joy. And, and now we're going to talk about peace. So let's look at two passages that talk about that. We'll go back to our original text, Galatians 5. You'll see it there, and then we'll jump over to Ephesians 2. So start in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All right, so go just a little bit forward now to Ephesians 2, and we'll camp out on this idea of peace. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, and that should be on the screen behind me too. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, that is any non-Jew, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. The, the Jews were the circumcised, the Gentiles were the uncircumcised, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, 
having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I want to talk about peace in three ways tonight. First, peace with God. Second, peace with others. And then third, peace within. So peace with God, peace with others, and then peace within. Starting with peace with God. Peace with God starts with knowing the reality of our status apart from Christ. Look again there at verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the status of all who are apart from Christ. They're separated from God and without hope. But God in his mercy doesn't leave us there. You see, it continues. We who once were far off, that's us. We who once were far off have been brought near. Jesus made peace and reconciled us to God. Through Christ, we have access to the Father. You see, God did something about this broken relationship, this broken peace with him. Even though we were the offenders, God took the initiative to broker our peace. And look at how he did it. Look back at verse 13. You see it there. In Christ Jesus. And at the end of that verse, by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 14. He himself, that's speaking about Jesus. He himself is our peace. Look at verse 16. Through the cross through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. See, God did it. God brought about this peace through the blood of His Son. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, our debt has been paid. And we who once were enemies have been reconciled to God. Lauren and SK, would you all come up here? Sorry, hazards of sitting up front. <laughs> All right, so I want you kind of facing them, just right here in front of me. Yep, okay, that's great. Facing them, but kind of facing each other. So, okay, good. All right, so picture what we're talking about like this. All right, this is what relationship looks like. This is what we were made for. We were made to be in relationship with God. This is how God created us. But here's the problem. We in our sin turned our back 
Sorry, okay. she gets to be God in this, oh, in this scenario. <laughs> you just the, the short straw here. Um, all right, so you, representing mankind, okay, have turned our back on God. And every time we offend, we get farther and farther. So with each betrayal, each time we ignore God, each time we judge one another, each time we tear one another down, each time we lash out in anger, and y'all get the picture, right? So this separation, this alienation happens, and that's what this passage is talking about. And to restore this relationship is going to take more than just a ceasefire of offenses, Think about this, even on human terms. If Lauren were to turn around and say, we're good now, right? Because she turned around. We're still not good. What about all those times you betrayed me? What about all those times you tore me down in front of others? What about all those times you did this, that, and the other? No, we're not good just because you've turned around. There's a separation that has to be taken care of. This distance needs to be addressed. This debt needs to be paid for this thing, this relationship to be restored. See, this is what our sin has done to us. And y'all, we're in Iowa. Like, we're we're not even in... And TJ's like in Hawaii. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. Do, do, y'all, do y'all see the picture, though? And there's nothing we can do to fix it. And here's the thing. The harder we try, the greater the separation. Because the Bible tells us that our works are as filthy rags before God. For this estrangement to be healed... God himself would have to do it. And the good news is, as I've already said, God has done it. Through Jesus, through the blood of his son, we can be restored and this relationship can be reconciled. That's what this passage is saying when it says, he himself is our peace. Jesus himself is our peace. He purchased for us this reconciliation, this restoration. And how do we get it? How do we enter into this peace agreement? Well, like I said before, you can't work for it. You can't earn it. We receive it by faith. By simply believing that Jesus has done it all on our behalf, all true peace begins here with faith in Jesus. And listen, if you don't have peace in this relationship, you're not going to have peace in other areas of your life. Peace begins with God. So the most important question I can ask you tonight and any time is, do you know this peace? Do you know this peace with God? The biggest problem we have is the estrangement, this alienation I just showed you. And the only solution to that is what Jesus has done on the cross. Do you know this peace?
St. Augustine, a pastor from North Africa, said this many years ago. You have made us for yourself, O God, and we are yours. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. He's saying what I just said to you. You've made us for yourself, O God, and we are yours. And our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. Have you found your rest in Jesus? He himself is our peace. And because of that, we can know peace with others. So let's talk about peace with others. Throughout this Ephesians 2 passage, you see hints of a deep ethnic divide. Did y'all catch that? The divide between Jew and Gentile. And I explained that just briefly for y'all when I read it. The Jews were God's chosen people. Theirs were the patriarchs, the fathers of the faith. Theirs were the prophets who spoke forth the word of God. They were given the scriptures. They were the ones who truly held to God's commands. The Gentiles were godless, immoral, idolatrous outsiders. That's how Jews saw them. And so Jews hated Gentiles because of their godlessness, and Gentiles hated Jews because of their self-righteousness. They didn't like each other. They didn't get along. But peace with God leads to peace with others. The reconciliation that Jesus purchased on the cross necessarily brings about reconciliation with others. These verses tell us that. You see it in these words, that he has made us both one. He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. He has brought us into one body. We share one spirit. We are fellow citizens. We're joined together into one dwelling place for God. That's at least six different ways Paul is telling us this dividing wall's got to go. This cannot live among my people. Christ has killed the hostility. And so here's what this means. Because of Jesus, there can be no divides of commission. In other words, things that we do. So no bias, no prejudice, no favoritism based on race, socioeconomic class, gender, nationality, personality, or any other basis. Now, might you struggle with those? Yeah, welcome to the human race. But let's don't keep heading in that direction. Let's turn from that. Let's turn to God who can forgive and take those away from us. Because that's what God sent his son to die for us to do. is to make us new and to get those things out of our lives. But also because of Jesus, there can be no divides of omission. This is the harder one to see. So commission are the things that we do, that we shouldn't do, right? But omission are the things that we don't do, that we should do. So some examples, not welcoming, not knowing, not loving others because of fears, insecurities, or our own selfishness. See, walls of division can be built by commission and omission, but Jesus died to tear all those walls down. Let me urge you, let me encourage you, do not deny the power of the cross by building those walls back up. Jesus died 
to destroy the walls of hostility. Jew, Gentile, any other wall of hostility. He came to reconcile us into one body through the cross. We are one body. In a different place in the Bible, Paul talks like this when he talks about the body. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. Or the elbow cannot say to the knee, you don't matter. Because we're members of one another and we need each other. And how we love one another should reflect that reality. There's one more dividing wall I want to address before we move on. The wall of unforgiveness. You've been hurt, and instead of working through it and forgiving the other person, you hold on to resentment and bitterness. And so the divide between you and the other grows deeper, as does the wound in your own heart. And you refuse to forgive because you refuse to relinquish control. And so the dividing wall gets higher and higher, and your heart gets harder and harder. And y'all, that's not the way of Jesus. Because of God's great forgiveness of us, we ought to be great forgivers of others. We who know God's grace should be quick to be gracious to others. Yeah, we live in a broken world. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be sinned against. The question isn't if, but what will you do when? Two chapters later in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, Be kind to one another broken, uh, <laughs> broken-hearted, <laughs> tender-hearted, <laughs> be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgives you. Did y'all catch that? Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So who do you need to forgive tonight? Bring down that wall of hostility. Jesus died to bring that down. Jesus came to purchase our peace with God and our peace with one another, but he also came to give us peace within. Peace within. This peace within isn't one of the main points in this passage, though I think it's there in some underlying and implicit ways. But the peace God gives within is all over the pages of Scripture. We actually read from, from a chapter I want to I go back to. So, Katie, can you put up Psalm 46? So, um, when Lydia came up and read, she read part of this psalm. But listen to the, the flow of this psalm. Let me get there. You're going you're gonna to see peace within all over these words. Listen to this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Think about a question for a second. If you were to paint or or draw a picture illustrating this psalm, what would it look like? I kind of want to hear your answers. If you were to paint or draw a picture of this psalm, what would it look like? Can, can I hear two or three answers? Like what I imagine in The Hobbit, but kind of smashing all together in like chaotic beauty. Chaotic what? Beauty. Beauty. Was there one scene in The Hobbit that is um, coming I to mind? Have like a vague mental map of like the mountains in the far distance and then mm. like some sea, also similar to Narnia vibes, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Other thoughts? You know when Bambi, when the leaves are falling from the trees and fall and they're like... They're S- speak like, loud so those guys can hear. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Say it again. We've all seen Bambi when fall comes and the leaves are going off and they're like going through the wind super fast and they settle on the ground and just rest. Mm, that's good. That's good. Any other thoughts on this? All right, I challenged myself to, to think through, okay, so what would it look like for me? I'm not a creative person, and I'm not a painter or a drawer, but here's what it would be, and it comes from a real experience. Um, top of a mountain, storm raging, and just praying, hiding for a, a rock with a cleft or a, a, an outcropping in. Is that what it's called, an outcropping? Like some, somewhere to like hide in with God right beside me. Like his presence is, is part of this. Storms raging and, and I'm just in a safe, a safe resting place. You see, the will not, the we will not fear of verse two has everything to do with the God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble of verse one. Do y'all see that? That's why two starts with therefore, because it's predicated on what came before. So we can live in this planet that has so much chaos and corruption and death and decay that we talked about at the very beginning at peace. Why? Because of verse one, because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. The, at the very end, the, the be still and know that I am God, one of my favorite verses there in verse 10, be still and know that I am God, hinges on knowing what follows that. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why is it we can be still and know that he's God? Because the Lord of hosts. That, that, that's a name for Lord Almighty, like 
God, the one who reigns over it all, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Did you want to say something, Ethan? No. Okay, I thought you had your hand up. Y'all, every summer, I, I may have shared this with you guys before, but every summer my family, I come from a big family. I'm, I'm eighth out of nine, so family vacations were a big deal. Um, every summer our family would pile into a Suburban and make the trip up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we'd go visit our grandparents. So nine kids, if we didn't forget anybody, actually happened once or twice. Um, I'll tell that another time. <laughs> Not going to Michigan, okay? Not the whole way. Um, so nine kids, two dogs, two parents, and usually like a neighborhood friend or two was in there. And this was like before seatbelts had to be a thing. So... Um, so we would make this trip, a 14-hour trip, packed car, lots of stops, always a mishap because the Slaters only drove cars that were 20 years old. I can remember several tire blowouts, one to two radiators overheating, and more missed exits than I can count. But you know what? I never worried because my dad could fix anything. There's a show from 20, 30 years ago. Do y'all know the show MacGyver? Yeah. All right, predicated on this dude who could fix anything. My dad was the original MacGyver. Like they based <laughs> that show off my dad. He could solve any problem with duct tape, a zip tie, and chewing gum. <laughs> any problem. But you know what? I also remember a few trips where my dad couldn't come because of work. And I remember going on, and I'm not, I'm not one who is prone to worry or anxiety, but I can remember heading out on those trips and feeling this low-level anxiety and fear. And at five, six, seven, I couldn't, told you, I couldn't have told you what, that, what this was all about. But it was there, this anxiety and fear because he wasn't with us. What would we do if there was a problem? Who would fix the tire? Who would care for us? Everything else was the same. The route was the same. The car was the same. The only difference was the absence of my father. If you're in Christ, the presence of God your father makes all the difference. In your life, the wheels will come off. Things will get overheated. Wrong turns will be taken. But you don't need to fear because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I'm not sure what you came in with this evening. I'm not sure what it is you're going through. But I know it's not all easy. Do you have this peace within knowing that God is with you? For all who follow Jesus, His Spirit produces peace in us. That's why it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. God does this in us. 
may not feel like it's happening quickly enough, may not feel like it all the time when we're stressed and overwhelmed or full of fear, but God is doing it. And through Him, we can have peace with God, peace with others, and peace within. So come to Jesus and find peace. Come and find rest for your souls because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are this kind of God. That You're a God of peace. Jesus, You are the Prince of Peace. And that You give peace to Your people. So, Lord, I pray that we would come and find our rest in you, that we would know you as our only peace, that we would have ultimately peace with you. Lord, in those places where we're at enmity with others, or maybe we're just not loving others well, Lord, would you bring peace in our relationship with others? And Lord, would you also bring peace within our own hearts? In those places where we don't trust you, we don't believe that you are with us and that you are for us, Lord, would you change our minds, change our hearts, and help us to see the God of Jacob is with us, that you are our fortress. And then, Lord, help us to, to be a people of peace. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.